Hello, Wilder. We missed you at the movies. Time to die last week. Hello, Hollister. You're not ready, huh? I'm jealous. I'm really jealous. I'm a big Bond fan. And I am not. So it's so funny that I went and you didn't, right? Yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm not there yet. I'll get there. I'll get there soon. Part of me wanted to go see it at a drive-in, but I was like, you can't have the experience of like, the sound and the no, seat and the sound. immersion yeah. at a at a drive-in. So also, it's out in IMAX, but we didn't go in IMAX. So um, that's how I'd want to see it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or well, here in LA, we I think it's being rebranded right now, but we have the uh, it's not it's no longer the ArcLight Dome, but we have the Dome in Hollywood. And the last Bond movie I saw there, which was a blast, because it was filmed in Cinemascope. Wow. So we got to watch it on the on the stretch screen. Well, we went, I, we, as I say in the pockets, we went at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning and there were a couple of other people and we sat behind them and on the other mm-hmm. side. So we would be breathing on them. They would not be breathing on us. Yes. Yeah, I That's don't know. That's fair. It, but it, you asked me before we started, you said, you know, was it great to be back in the movie theater? It really wasn't. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting yeah. for when I feel safe and it feels great to be back and exciting and fun and not, I'm terrified I'm going to die. So, Uh, you know, by the way, you're terrified you're going to die through the whole movie. So there you go. But well, that's the point of a bond movie though. That's what makes them great. There you go. go. (laughs) You know, we're going to be doing a series and we want to take a moment to thank our sponsor. And we'll talk more about our sponsor at the end, but thanks to limitless ventures who is sponsoring this podcast Uh, who does amazing, amazing work in terms of raising money uh, to invest in companies that support the recovery and continued lives of people uh, who have suffered from addiction. So thank you for the sponsorship. We really appreciate it. We'll go over it a little more at the end. And without further ado, listen, you have nailed it again. Like the series you picked for us, Dope Sick, uh, you know, look, we all know the impact of oxycotton and the opiates and, and the impact on our society. You know, the enormous addiction of America to this drug mm. and the resulting effect that it's had for so many things in American cities and towns and the increase in addiction, crime, mm-hmm. someone has to pay for the expensive pills people need. Thousands have died, lost their families, lost their job, lost their friends. Mm-hmm. And in the recesses of my mind, Wilder, I guess I knew that a drug company headed by the Sackler family, which, by the way, is a private drug company, mm-hmm. actually charted the course that got us here. Like, they planned it and charted it. We all knew this intellectually. Mm-hmm. But now, who's just dropped its series, Dope Sick, and... Now we're seeing it, feeling it, wish you know, watching it unfold, which is a whole nother ball game in my opinion. I'm furious and I'm terrified and I'm sad and I'm scared. And I'm even more angry at white men over 50 who had such disregard for my weaknesses and trust, which I, you know, as we all know, that's an issue for me mm-hmm. lately anyway. So is there anything about my country, my country that I love so much, my government, and that has made me proud to be an American all years, all these, all these years. Is there anything that isn't tainted by the reality of what never was, but I thought was, which was, for example, overseeing the drug issues in our country without corruption? And I'm exhausted, and I'm so grateful that you brought it to me. But now it's your turn. <laughs> I don't even know how to I'm follow done. that up. Bye. Nice <laughs> to chat with you. All right, everyone. Let's talk about this show called Dope Sick. Uh- <laughs> 
<laughs> I know. I know. I it, what too much? <laughs> I mean, I I understand where you're coming from. I think I think the show's a marvel. I'll tell you, I started watching The Comey Rule, which was a Showtime adaptation well, of his Comey's book. in this, and I don't want Comey's to tell you this. how, but that even shocked me. I had no oh, idea. I, I thought they handled that well. Is he that dumb? Was Hello. Very we're interesting. Not gonna we're not going to tell you. We're not going to tell you. It's a very funny scene, though, given, you know, how well known a, a figure in our, our lives James Comey is now. But so essentially just to to back up and catch you all up, Dope Sick is a limited series on Hulu based on Beth Macy's book, which is about the creation of Oxycontin. It's by the Sackler family, Purdue Pharma, and their ability to turn a time release patented system that was now going public into a new drug. In the 80s, they, they were losing the rights to this patent. And get the government to speak about it as if it wasn't the drug that it is, you know. Right. And by the way, Beth Macy's book, mm-hmm. the title of it has to be stood here, Dope Sick, Dealers, Doctors, and the Drug Company that Addicted America. It's a great yeah. title. Come on. It's a great title. And I think a lot of people have been trying to figure out how to do this topic. And a lot of people have come up short because the tone of this is so hard to nail. And I think that Danny Strong, who's the primary writer on this, um, who wrote Game Change, for those of you who were Gilmore Girls fans, he was on it. He was Paris's boyfriend. So he started as an actor in this. Um, but he's Wait, become he was Paris's boyfriend? On Gilmore Girls, yeah. Oh that's my Danny God, Strong. I didn't know. Now, this yeah. is the only thing that's making me smile about this whole that's thing. That's so funny. Yeah, he's, he's great. So he started there, but he also, he wrote... Two of the Hunger Games movies. He's he's quite prolific on the writing side now. He's got his own production company. Which two? Um, because the first one was the best by and way far. And he, he did not, not write that one. He wrote Mocking Jay Part One and Part Two. Yeah. Um, but there were a lot of writers on those, so I don't know how how much of it is his credit and how much is other writers. By the way, did you look at the credits of for this on IMD? I've never seen such a long list of producers, writers, it, people. Yeah, there's it. a lot of people involved in this. I've never seen anything that long. Really amazing. Barry Levinson directs some of them. Um, I think he splits it. You would know Barry from many, many, many movies. He's been a writer and director for years. He did... I just saw that he was cast in History of the World Part One, uh, which just cracks me up. But um, I didn't even know he directed the natural. Was there a part two? I don't even know. No, that's the point. That's what's so funny about that movie. He directed The Natural. He directed Good Morning Vietnam. He directed Rain Man. He's directed a hell of a lot of great films. And I think he's pretty picky. And the fact that he took this on, I think, is really important. And Danny Strong does a beautiful job of taking such an incredibly complicated system, a difficult legal minefield, right? As well as a medical minefield, dumbs it down enough for us at least to understand in layman's term and make it entertaining. Um, It's entertaining. Can we revisit that word? It is entertaining though. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, I'm, I'm riveted and they've only got three. So there's five, there's eight altogether. So we've got five more to go once a week, but I'm riveted, but I don't know if I feel entertained. I feel sad. I will tell you, they've got me, (laughs) sorry, they've got me hooked, right? I'm addicted to the show. Yeah. The end of the third episode, I was really 
pissed that I didn't have another episode to watch. I was too. I almost think this one should have been dropped altogether because you wouldn't binge it anyway. You would, you definitely need a break every now and then. You do, you do. So it's you it's tough. Do. It's a tough topic, right? And it, it moves around in time. So it's a little bit difficult yep. to keep track of. You got to really pay attention to it, but it kind of takes place. So you're introduced in the eighties in the very, very beginning where this patent is expiring and they need to figure out the Sackler family needs to figure out a way to keep it in the family so that they can continue to profit off of this time release idea. All right. I think I need to interject here that um, I've always known that the Sackler family was the founder of this pharmaceutical company. What I didn't know mm-hmm. is it was privately owned by them all together. But I should say in full disclosure Arthur Sackler was a friend of mine, and um, Hmm. he's dead now. But he's mentioned numerous times in here, and each time I felt like literally throwing up. And his wife, Jill, was a friend, too. We played tennis together at Town Tennis. Hmm. And he was the most gentle, and I use the word gentle purposefully here, Mm -hmm. gentle man I've ever played tennis with. I was his partner often in mixed doubles at our small club. And... It just goes to show, and I've often said this to my rich friends and my poor friends, look, there are some rich people who have an upstairs, downstairs kind of presentation. Like Mm -hmm. they're one way with one group of people and another way with another group of people. I had read that Jill, when I started to read about the Sackler family and what was going on, I had read that Jill has separated and said, look, Arthur was dead before this even came to market, mm-hmm. and Arthur had nothing to do with this. And then as this unfolds, and I've checked, and it is pretty accurate to what actually happened, Arthur set the foundation for being able to do it. And mm-hmm. so, but I just want to say, you know, people have many sides to them. And we have to remember that you have to go looking for the facts when you're trying to evaluate any situation mm-hmm. where there are human beings. But as we start to discuss this film, I thought I should say that I knew Arthur personally quite well. And so I, I just wanted to bring that to the table. Well, it's really interesting, actually, that you bring that up because before the discovery of how much damage OxyContin has done to our country, the Sackler family was actually known as one of the most prolific donators to charity of all time. Right? Not to they charity, were, though. We got to clarify that. And I also knew this. He, they were very They big, were philanthropists. The, uh, yeah. There's one thing between charity that helps people, and there's another sure. kind of charity. And he actually collected, I saw his collection in his home. He did the entire Chinese section, I think, at the Met, which they've now mm-hmm. changed and taken his name off the door. But also, he was a, a an addicted, at the end of his life, mm-hmm. collector of Chinese art. So they did a lot of philanthropy, but it was all for the rich people. They do manage to kind of weasel that into the show, too. Yeah. They were not charitable to the people who were making them rich. Let's put it that way. Sure, sure. But I, I do find it interesting that they were so well known as these massive philanthropic people. And then suddenly this story breaks and the entire family is seen in a completely different light now. And what's really interesting, and it's it's part of what I love about the show, is that anytime you're with the Sackler family, you are in a mafioso opera. (laughs) Oh, but wait, Richard Sackler, and I'm saying his name because you'll hear him, doesn't he remind you of a James Bond villain? You know, it's the way his oh. tone of voice. I mean, he's not, he's not normal. It's Michael Stuhlbarg. 
He's something genius. Michael Stolberg is one of my favorite character actors out there right now. I think he can truly do anything. You rarely see him as a, uh, that's not true, actually. I was introduced to him as a villain on Boardwalk Empire. And since then, you haven't seen him as much as a villain. God, he's good. And he is, he is to a T perfect in this because he truly, he truly walks that line of telling the public that they are doing this enormous good for the world, right? We are addressing pain. We are, no, we are curing pain. We're curing pain. It's such a a global Mm -hmm. good deed. And Mm -hmm. that's the way it's presented. Yeah. The soundbite that he puts out there, and he says it in in the Sackler meetings, as if people should believe it when all of them knew that's not at all what they were doing. Well, and what's fascinating is he's in the same sentence saying, I need you to get into the German market because it's the most difficult drug market on the planet. And if we can do that, then we can sell anywhere. And by the way, they didn't get in there. They didn't? No, which is why I keep looking at my country and saying, we're supposed to be the greatest country in the world. I'm beginning to think we are the worst. We have the worst educational system. Now, you know, our drug reinforcement area and our DEA are supposed to be so great. Are you kidding me? It's awful. Well, and that's that's part of what's really interesting about this show is that they do that they address the DEA. Oh, Rosario so Dawson plays a DEA agent who discovers the problem that OxyContin is creating in the country, that there's spikes in crime, that jails are filled because of this drug, that pharmacies are being raided, and these are the only pills that are being taken. And the DEA says, point me to the cartel. And she says, well, the cartel is Purdue Pharma. And they said, well, they're a licensed company. We can't do anything there. And so it takes the Department of Justice, and this is really kind of the course of the show, it's the Department of Justice coming together and building their case against Purdue Pharma. Well, not only that, and there's a conflict of interest within the Department of Justice. Oh, sure. But as we're watching that, we're watching real people struggle. Real yeah. doctors. I mean, Michael Keaton plays oh, a small town doctor. This is his, I got to tell He's you, best thing perfect. I've ever seen him in. Unbelievably good. And what I love about having cast Michael Keaton, and it's so funny because I, I think you could switch Michael Stuhlbarg or Michael Keaton in a heartbeat and they'd so be too. just yep. as good. There's a warmth in Michael Keaton. He gets to be funny. He gets to be likable, but he's also an older widower and you can't help but love him. Well, not only that, you can see how he went down the path of no return and not even intentionally. I mean, that they led him there. Oh, my God. But it's so easy to see how he was duped so easily when he was really a very smart man. But here's the Mm -hmm. thing. Do you follow at all Jen Cheney, um, who writes for Vulture magazine? She does a lot of reviews and stuff for Vulture. I've probably read her, but I'm not. I don't. I'm bad with the names. Well, she wrote a great review. Congratulations, Jen. I thought it was really helpful to me. And she basically, she points out that the ambitious scope of what the film tried to address, mm-hmm. the causes, the Sackler family dynamic. Mm-hmm. I'm, these are, I'm listing these off now. The issues of Appalachian politics. Mm-hmm. She feels that because they took on so much and we've only seen three episodes so whatever but that basically it dulls the impact of the movie itself and that Hmm. maybe these needed to be more than one story you know oh i disagree i do too but i think it's a point worth making you got a lot to take in and probably could watch some of these episodes twice absolutely oh absolutely and i think i think she's right that each of these and they have been right each of these stories i mean you've got winter's bone right? That 
addresses Appalachian culture and drug use. It's not. Is that going to be one of your list of six? It's not. Um, it's definitely not. But you have movies that have addressed each of these issues individually. Yeah. We actually are going to do a list of six at the end of this. And one of the things Wilder had said is we might need to pinpoint what our list is going to be. I, we left it generic, but it's true. There's so many aspects of this issue mm-hmm. that you could go in a lot of different doorways, but some people might find there's just too much to take in around this. But I think it's really important to know that they are all connected to each uh, other, yeah. right? That Caitlin Deaver's character, who is a mine worker in Appalachia. And she was my favorite character this year in what? Oh my God, she's been in so many things. I can't remember which one. No, which is my very favorite of all time. One of the best series I've ever seen of top 10 for sure. Unbelievable. Oh, yes, of course. Sorry. That was last year though. And she plays wounded with a lot of nonverbal connection Mm -hmm. really well. She's very good. She's very, very good. But it's what I love about the show is that she, at the bottom of this food chain, is directly connected to Richard Sackler at the top of this food chain. And they do such a good job of building these stories on top of each other. Though I will say that the back and forth in time is is a little bit confusing. If you're not watching every moment on the screen, if you look away, you (laughs) might miss that. Which, by the way, you know, I'm a multitasker and I often take Mm -hmm. my phone to the, my indoor film festival here. Yeah. And on this one, don't leave your phone. Don't. Alone. Yeah. You got to watch the whole thing to, yeah. so that you're not There's missing too anything. Too many things going on, too many people, too many little tidbits mm-hmm. that you need for the next element. But boy, is it worth the effort, don't you think? Yes. And it's it's beautifully acted. It's so well written that I'm able to follow every storyline and I know who's who and just the fun that they have with the Sackler family. I mean, the first meeting they have once Oxycontin has been in development literally looks like it's taken out of an Italian opera. Oh my God. Like they're sitting in a museum. The two halves of the family are at two opposite ends of the table. They're only communicating through their lawyers. It's hysterical, Um, but it's also terrifying because they're literally deciding the fate of our nation's future at this table. Uh, It's We have no say. Now, here's the thing. The Sackler grandchildren... Mm -hmm. really put up a fight. And they're part of the reason it was all exposed. Some of them pulled out, said, I don't want this money. It's Mm -hmm. dirty money. I mean, it just goes to show that that second and third generation of wealth that was created through corruption, which is really right from the get-go, clearly they -hmm. were corrupt in buying the people they needed and everything else. It goes to show that these second and third generations are having to live with the guilt of mm-hmm. the demise of so much that the their wealth is, is built on. You know, it's the same problem that the Walmart people are facing. The Walmart mm-hmm. grandchildren, not the children, but the grandchildren are having trouble with some of the money that they've acquired and how they got it. You know, it's interesting. This case was finally settled recently. Um, I'm sure that'll be- And I'm not sure, be... by the way, it was settled as well as it should have been. No, it w- they got off scot-free. They had to pay some money- and they have plenty left and they can never be touched again, right? This lawsuit settles Which it forever. I don't forever. understand how- These people should be yeah, in jail. How, it doesn't make sense to me that if I want to sue them tomorrow, I you can't. can't do that. I know, it's unbelievable. No, these people should be in jail. And they belong in jail. Primarily because there's, there's probably not a family in America that hasn't been affected by opioid addiction at this point. I know mine has. Well, even if you don't know it, you have been, you yeah. know? But I can tell you that my cousin Gary, who's been in and out of rehab his whole life, and he's in his 60s now, 
and when he was in his teens, he hit the drugstore guy over the head with a crowbar. And um, Oof. and he was up for attempted murder, and he ended up getting a methadone treatment. He was out of his mind, you know. Yeah. Um, and, he, and he's a very soft-spoken, kind man. He's just been a drug addict his whole life. And once yeah. they got him on it, when he was nine, they never got him off it. Yeah. My family has been quite affected by addiction. And watching this show, it's just so clear that all all we are to them is dollars and cents. Right. Right. That's that's all we are. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters to them. And now they're untouchable, right? They will never be held responsible for what they've done. And what disappoints me about those second and third generations is, you know, keep the power and fix it, right? Fix what well, you've or done. take that money that you're still now banking and do something with it to fix the problem. Do something good. None of, none of them have actually taken their mm-hmm. bank accounts and dissipated them toward the greater I mean, good. I don't know that for sure because I Actually, haven't... I looked it up and apparently oh. they haven't, yeah. Okay. Well, I will say the show is fantastic. I will be continuing to watch it. I think it's expertly cast. It drops every Wednesday, by the way. And, it's, yeah. so, and there's five more weeks of it. I think what we should do is make a note that in five weeks when we're taping, we should and we finished it, we should definitely revisit it and sort of finish mm-hmm. up this last five weeks. I mean, this is one that I think is really important for everyone to watch. I Because everyone yeah. in some way, shape, or form has been touched by addiction. Yeah. And this will show you how Big Pharma, who has their pockets in just about every politician in D.C., is involved in everything and has calculated this, right? Has known that they got this special label that says that it's less addictive, which is just 100% crap, right? But it made doctors feel safer prescribing it. Well, which was, by the way, given to them by... Someone who then went to work for there. The guy who overrode everybody to give it to them ended up working for the Sackler. So it's yeah. all... it's all They know how to work the system. It's all and, corrupt, yeah. And we need a major overhaul of our pharmaceutical system as a whole. We need a major overhaul of a lot of systems in this country. But I think this will shed a light for a lot of people who have felt if they don't understand where it came from, how it happened, this will shine a light for you as to where we all stand in the larger scope of the national conversation when it comes to addiction. And I just want to take a moment to thank our sponsor for this particular podcast, Limitless Ventures, which is a lower middle market impact capital firm. And they invest in private and philanthropic capital sources across multidisciplinary solutions that support the continuum of care for mental health based actually around addiction. So their Mm -hmm. goal is to improve medical outcomes in mental behavioral health, i.e. addiction, depression, et cetera, and to create outsized returns for the investors. They believe that you can help people and heal people and make money. And thanks to Limitless Ventures for supporting the podcast that we do around this type of topic, because if we do nothing else, maybe the private sector does have to sort of pay attention to and help rebuild that which the government sector has not done very successfully. So a big shout out to Limitless Ventures, limitlessventures.com. Definitely go take a look and uh, see what they're up to. So, And if you have a couple million, you want to invest somewhere, they're a good place to go. And just to clarify, most of our podcasts are not sponsored. We have a topic that we know goes hand in hand with someone that we 
like what they're doing and we certainly want to make sure that we promote their message, we like to invite those people to have a voice on our podcast. You know, we're trying to do this in a responsible way. And so trying to make sure that whatever we're putting in front of you connects to the to the film that we're we're all watching. So which And they're lead- not approving what we're saying, just so you know. <laughs> well, that's for sure, right? <laughs> but I got to tell you, I think he'd be right in line with everything. And actually, the man who started the fund, Alexander Holt, who speaks on this topic, was an addict himself, and he's been in recovery for more than 10 years. That's Super great. smart. Whenever I talk with him, I'm blown away. So he understands all of this. He's been there. He's done it. He's now burning that T-shirt in mm-hmm. a way that produces. So thanks, Alex, for, for all that you do. Now we're going to, just wrapping up, see it, see it, see it is really where we're coming out. But So then we were going to do a list of six around, and I said originally drug movies and Wilder because she's very finite. <laughs> she was like, well, what kind of drug movies? And I said, I'm not willing to be. Um, bound into anything. So it's interesting to see how you approached it versus how I did. And there's so much to do, but Google the topic, best drug films out there, and you're going to see all these mafia Wide films. Wide variety. <laughs> but it's so weird because they were all like mafia films, stuff that I was so shocked to see up there. So what did you start with? Where did you go and what did you start with? <sighs> My favorite favorite in this area, I think I have to go with Goodfellas. What? What do you mean, what? So I couldn't hear you. What did you <laughs> oh, say? I said, I have to go with Goodfellas. Right, but I don't, I think of that as a mafia film, not a drug film, but you're right. It I is a mafia it. film, but it's also about drugs. I know. I, it was on the list, by the way. It was number one on every list I saw. It's just, I... I love that movie. I can watch that movie over and over. I've Why yet to did find you love a movie. movie Miss Violence Girl. Why? I love that movie because I've never seen a movie successfully achieve that tone ever again. Wow. That movie is so precisely done. Hmm. It's so specifically delivered, edited, shot, everything about it. It's a gorgeous film about some of the worst aspects of humanity. And I just, I think it's incredible. Do you think now is a good time for me to share with you that I never saw it? Cause it was, so- <gasps> <laughs> are we, are you going to break up with me with a poster? Wilder, you, the movies you I haven't know, seen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> like we have to have I a know. movication. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm all right. I, you know, I didn't have to share that. And I don't think you should beat me up when I shared my, true self with you, but I will definitely, definitely take a look. Well, you can't question me on on picking it if you haven't seen it. I saw the trailer. No, that's not the same fucking thing. That is not the same thing. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know, I know. I'm going to take your credit card away from you. Okay. You got to go watch one of Scorsese's I, I promise best films. I will watch it. I will report back in. And if Thank our you. listeners out there care to share, then we're going to go to my first choice, which goes to show you the depth between Wilder and myself. I'm going to start with 28 Days. <laughs> all right. Okay. And the reason I'm picking it, 28 Days, you all may recall, is Sandra Bullock's 28 Days in Rehab after she totally, totally demolishes her sister's wedding, both emotionally, physically, in every way possible. And yeah. it's it's 28 Days in Rehab, and it's done with tragedy, with humor, with intelligence, with a little lightness of being. And I think it's one of her finer roles. I mean, I know she won 
an Academy Award for something else, which I didn't think she should have won for. Right. But, and I don't consider, I consider her to be sort of an actor who plays herself. But at the same time, it's really, really good. No, she she really shines in that movie. She does. So I picked it mostly for her. So shout out to you on that, Sandra Bullock. And I also think it's funny, but you also get it. You see how very difficult it is. And there's one point when basically you're not allowed to get a dog or a plant until you've been out of rehab for a year. Yeah. And it points out that you just can't be responsible for anything other than trying to keep yourself together. I, I mm-hmm. just, there's so many elements of it that I thought were really good. So that was my first. And what's your second? Are we going to go um, to another drug-infested, serious, scary thing? Well, I have one of those. So I'll do that next, and then I'll save my last one for last, obviously, because what else would it be? Scarface is is my next. Oh, it's the um, same thing. It's not the same thing. They're completely different tones and completely different movies and completely different cultures. Also, one's Italian and one is Cuban. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. There you go. Uh, okay, interesting. Interesting that you're picking that line when really, for me, the storyline was never about the drugs, but I guess it is, you know, I guess. For Scarface? I, I mean, Scarface is yeah. his descent into hell, right? Yeah. It's It's yeah. all about his inability to cope with life. But, you know, I think at the end when he's literally shoving his face into a mountain of cocaine, we can definitely say that it's a movie about drugs. Um, Okay. Well, I'm going to go with, and I'm going to use alcohol as the drug on this one. I'm going to go with Meg Ryan. Do you remember her and Andy Garcia and Ellen Bernst in When a Man Loves a Woman in the 90s? Do you remember that? Oh, God. Yeah. Ooh, it's been a while since I saw that. But again, I I don't know if I'm picking these women who have always done light films and they finally do something. It shows that Meg Ryan always had depth as an actor, but you didn't always see it. And it's basically about a woman who's a closet drinker and it breaks up the family as it comes out and she goes off to rehab and everything else. But I think it's also about relationships and it's about this relationship that looked perfect on the outside, but inside was a mess. And I think it's one of the great films. I really, really liked it. So I'm going All right. with. Yeah. I don't know that I really think that that qualifies as a drug film, but that's cool. Well, is, that, <laughs> is alcohol a drug? You know, I don't know. This is why I was like, maybe we should have more parameters because my movies are about like drug running and your movies are about drug use and they're all about drugs. <laughs> well, my, my last one, my last one, I'll go next and then you can wrap okay. this up, is is about drug running. It's Midnight Express in 1978. You probably never saw this film because you're- I haven't seen this movie. Okay. It, by the way, was terrifying when it came out. And it was, mm. the director was Alan Parker and the writer was Oliver okay. Stone. Oh, and wow. it was based on a true story about this kid who was down in, in somewhere in South America. I don't even remember what country it was. It's a, it's a true story. And he wrapped himself up with marijuana, which was, you know, which was an illegal drug, but you could get it easily down there. Mm-hmm. And he, as he was getting on the plane, they pull him off and he's thrown in jail and there's nothing the government can do. His father, there's nothing anyone can do to get him out. He gets himself out. Hmm. And it's based on a true story. The, a book was written about it, and he basically escaped from the prison. It's really, really good, and it's really powerful, and it's terrifying. And you see that moment on his face when he's getting on the plane, and they pull him off the line, mm-hmm. and he realizes he's screwed. And the terror 
And also that moment in time when he probably said to himself, how could I have been so goddamn stupid? Mm. What, to bring some pot into America? Really? You yeah. know, anyway, great, great film. And it's it actually lasts the test of time pretty well. You might want to pick it I up. I will add it to my list. Yeah. I See, we go back and forth here. I'll watch okay. your movies. I, I know that, I, what movie have I recommended that you've gone to? Silence of the Lambs? Oh, I but I've seen Silence I of know, the Lambs. I know, I know. I know. Um, you still have not seen certain movies that will not be mentioned right now. Uh, By the way, should I tell you that Silence of the Lambs is going to be celebrating its 40th anniversary and Aww. they're putting it on the big screen. Happy Next birthday, month, Clarice. They're going on the big screen, just saying. Have a Chianti with some fava beans. All right, what's your last? Well, how are you wrapping yeah. us up? Um, my last one is Ichimama Tambien, um, which isn't really about drug running, but it's certainly about drug use. And it's yeah. it's kind of a different, it's certainly different from the other two that I picked, but it's Alfonso Cuaron's kind of debut into the national stage as, as a filmmaker. And the movie is stunning. It's a little bit X-rated, but it's gorgeously filmed and it's entirely a character journey. And that's really ultimately the kind of film that I'm looking for, which is also why I love Goodfellas. If you love a good character journey, you will want to watch Henry Hill's journey in that. Um, it is well worth the watch, I promise. Yeah, no, I love these. I love these six, you know, mine are a little more palatable. Yours are a little um, easier softer. on the palate. Yeah. A little softer. Yeah. Mine are a little more hardcore, shove your face into a pile of cocaine. <laughs> um, but, you know, you can't go wrong with Brian De Palma. Like, no, come you on, can't. Yeah. you can't. And no. you can't go wrong with Scorsese and you can't go wrong with Alfonso Cuaron. I think we're coming back to I'm a filmmaker girl. Uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, well, thanks, everybody, for showing up this week. God, we we hope you're going to watch this. Let us yeah, know. Yeah, it's really worth it. For those of you who are very close to this topic, it is a bit difficult to watch this. But I know many people who are even closer to this topic than than I am. And I have recommended that they watch this. I agree. Um, I agree totally. I think it is quite illuminating and having all of those stories overlapping, I think is so important because you need to know how those decisions at the top affect those of us who are not there. And I think this show does a beautiful job of really exploring that. And it goes back to, and it's men's lives we eat for breakfast without knowing, you know? Indeed. Okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.